Hey everyone, some great news. We are getting bigger and better. This podcast's new home will be on Iona and Echocast. Please resubscribe to Let's Talk Digital on whichever platform you are using. Find us on Instagram and LinkedIn for updates and let's keep growing. Hey everybody, welcome back to Let's Talk Digital. Today I have with me in the studio the guy that stands outside my office with a boombox. His name is Marius Kreef, founder and director of Turn Left Media. Welcome Marius. Audrey, uh, it's absolutely fantastic to be here and thank you for the opportunity. I have uh, been listening to the podcast every week uh, with Claire and Andrew and the rest of the guys and it's a fantastic effort you've got going. I really appreciate all the support I can get. Marius, before we start, we, we don't want to put you under fire, but we have to ask people, tell us more about yourself, who you are. Perfect. So, um, born in uh, born in Pretoria a couple of years ago, I have been in the media and the marketing industry for uh, a number of years. First on the client side, uh, did a short stint at Discovery and then at Exclusive Books, working on their traditional marketing and then moving over to the digital marketing side. I saw where the future was headed and I knew that digital was the way to go. So I contacted a, a gentleman called Adrian Hewlett. At the time, he was the owner of Habari Media. And I managed to convince him to uh, employ this young guy who had no idea how digital worked, who didn't understand what click-through rates or CPMs meant. And I started out as a commercial channel manager at Habari Media, looking after a portfolio of brands. This was in 2010, 2011. Uh, looking after LinkedIn, BBC, uh, at that point, the business day in Financial Mail. And since then, in this role, we've transitioned to a, a brand called Spark Media. Um, and finally, lastly, into uh, my business now called Turn Left Media, which I run with my partner, John Bowles. Uh, we started the business, uh, June, it's going to be four years. Uh, three and a half years ago, we were sitting in an airport on our way to London to go to a LinkedIn conference. And we, was, for the first time, we spoke about starting our own business and what that would look like. And because we're poor South Africans, we got onto the plane and the hostess said, well, you know, turn right, because we uh, unfortunately had to go to economy class. And we thought, <laughs> wouldn't that be a great idea to turn left uh, you know, to go to business class and first class. And that's where the idea comes from, uh, representing, you know, first class, uh, first class clients and, and giving first class service. So what's your partnership with LinkedIn? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, LinkedIn's probably 99% of everything that we do. Um, and LinkedIn as a business is made up into a couple of different business units. So you've got the, the recruitment side, LinkedIn talent solutions, You've got the marketing side, there's LinkedIn learning and LinkedIn sales. And the business model for each of those divisions work very differently. I know everybody just sees LinkedIn, the, the, the little blue logo, but there's a lot of things that happen in the background. So a lot of different markets have got offices. So if you think about Dublin or New York or London, um, they have their own LinkedIn offices, so people with at LinkedIn.com at the back of the email address. But for a lot of other markets, they have partnership models. So LinkedIn doesn't have offices in Africa, especially on the marketing side. So we are 
their exclusive partners in sub-Saharan Africa, which basically fundamentally means that we help people uh, put their brands on the platforms, but ultimately it also means helping people understand how to use LinkedIn better from a personal perspective, from an owned and organic perspective, and then also from a, a paid perspective. So before we get into the actual podcast title and topic for today, which is the different faces of LinkedIn, and from what you just said now, it seems to be that way. So we'll unpack and demystify what LinkedIn can do for for all sorts of people. Uh, tell us a little bit more. We usually, um, when guests come into the show, they have to actually socialize themselves from a personal level. So you can either do a joke or tell us something that we don't already know about you. So um, what normally happens at LinkedIn is we, uh, we ask people, whenever you, you get into a meeting, in order for everybody to have their voices heard, we ask people to tell them one thing that's not on your LinkedIn profile. So what, what is that about you? And and so this is the the challenging bit because we you know when you when you do this a lot, like we actually try and tell one thing uh, new every single time, and it it does become a little bit more complex every single time. So the one thing that's not on my LinkedIn profile is I am actually a, a registered coach at the Blue Ball Rugby Union for uh, my son. So it's something called Billy Rugby, and I do coaching and refereeing for the under sevens. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a fun way to spend an hour, uh, you know, an hour three times a week with my son. Um, and it's a good way just to stay fit and be active as well. I really love the joke you told us that your son told you. Why don't you share it with our listeners? Yeah, so you just have to lower your int intelligence and intellect for a few <laughs> moments. It's a six-year-old joke, so don't set the bar too high. But um, what is the one element that is not on the, the periodic table? I have no idea. It's uh, the element of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, that's, I, I'm sure you love being a dad. Uh, it's, it's the most fun I get to have every day. Um, it's, you know, I, I really enjoy the work that I do, but I enjoy spending time with my, my two kids a whole lot more. We do the most silly things, build Lego, run around. It's, it's absolute fun. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, the different faces of LinkedIn. There are about 7 million South Africans on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm sure not all of them are looking for jobs. That's, that's absolutely true. So the last stats we have is that um, people are spending a lot of their time doing different things on LinkedIn. Only 28% of their time is actually spent looking at new career opportunities. So maybe take us through the synopsis of what is the state of LinkedIn in South Africa, and then we'll just unpack it from there. Okay, perfect. I mean, to start, a, a little bit of a background on LinkedIn itself. So LinkedIn was founded in 2004. We did, Not a lot of people know this, but it's around the same time as Facebook. Um, and it was founded by two gentlemen, one of them called Reid Hoffman, you might know from, from PayPal as well. And it's always been about socializing your, your professional network, taking this idea of networking events and your Rolodex of, of professionals that you know and bringing that into the, the online or the digital space. So what has happened in the past is LinkedIn's always been seen as 
a place to get your resume online and hopefully find a job. And that stigma, that that perception still still remains to this day. And it's it's not incorrect, you know, a lot of the type of people that that businesses are looking for, if you think about senior leadership, if you think about developers, if you think about scarce passive resources, those are still people that you don't find in a lot of other places. And those are not the type of individuals that are actively out there looking for jobs. So LinkedIn still remains, as you know, when you get a lot of recruiter messages on LinkedIn, still remains a place for people to find out about about their roles when they when they're looking for opportunity or to find out more about businesses. But it's become so much more than that. So LinkedIn has over the last six or seven years invested incredibly heavily on just the socialization of the platform content. And today it's the biggest um, publisher of professional information of business information in the world. So more than 9 billion pieces of, of content is being shared every every week. People are consuming content 15 times more often than there are jobs. Um, and what you'll find is you'll find big brands like Mashable, Washington Post, um, and a lot of local brands as well. CNBC Africa is the biggest brand um, on LinkedIn in South Africa, sharing content that you would normally associate with newspapers or with, with professional websites. And they're realizing that people are now consuming this content in the feed. So that's where they're migrating to. And we've seen this adoption carry through to, to our member growth as well. So when I started in, in April 2011, uh, you know, we were just over 850,000 members in South Africa and just over 5 million in Africa. Today, we're seven and a half million in South Africa, more than 35 million in Africa. So the numbers bear out. And seven and a half million in the larger context of the South Africa population is not that many, you know, 58 million people. But if you think about it, there's about 14 million people who are registered for personal income tax and just over 5.1 million, according to the stats last year, that paid personal income tax. So it's people who are employed, educated, economically active, who are using the platform. And it's it's for a couple of different reasons. I mean, primarily, I use it because I want to establish my personal brand. So if you think about, if, if you are ever narcissistic, um, please go and Google yourself. If you've got a LinkedIn profile, you'll generally see that your LinkedIn profile is the first thing that appears. So as an individual, it's become so important to manage your professional brand, to manage the way that people see you and find you. And I would much rather people find me as a professional first, where I can manage that perception, than finding me on Instagram or Facebook or, or in my individual capacity. So you mentioned upfront that there's different departments or areas of LinkedIn. Maybe if you can take us through some of them and what they actually do. Sure. So there's there's four general, four big divisions within LinkedIn. The first one is what they call talent solutions. Um, and it's all about connecting, connecting employers and employees. Um, because there's such a big pool of people on LinkedIn, because there's such a big pool of professionals, there's obviously this natural gravitation between people who are looking for opportunities and businesses who are looking for quality employees to connect the two. So from a employee perspective, 
LinkedIn is the second most um, most used source of information when it comes to finding out more about your potential employer behind your website. So people can go onto LinkedIn, they can go look at a person, a, a business's company page, they can see what the business is about, what they stand for, their values, their culture, their office environment. They can go see who are the actual employees um, and do they have any connections within the business that they can tap into to understand a little bit more about the business before they actually apply or before the interview? For the business, it's about establishing itself as an employer of choice. So obviously, scare skills um, today have become an, an amazing commodity. You know, when you think about data scientists, for example, they can pick and choose where they want to go and work. So now employers have to do a much bigger job in positioning themselves in front of potential employees as, as the right place to work so building up that employer of choice and then also building up pipelines of of potential candidates we know that the time to hire today is is a whole lot uh, is much much more tougher than it was in the past mm. you want to get somebody into your business and working as quickly as possible and if you have to keep cold calling data scientists, sorry, I'm going to use that example. If you have to keep speaking to new data scientists every time, that recruitment process takes long. So you want to shorten that gap. Then there's the marketing solution. So obviously connecting brands to people. And that's primarily what Turn Left Media does. And it's about understanding that um, today, when especially in B2B decision making and, and high ticket price decision making, um, people are worried about making the wrong choice and people are worried about connecting to the right brand. So what brands need to do is they have to build their trust and credibility and salience with people. It's, it's the age old marketing theory. People want to know that when they make the right decision on a brand, whether it's buying a car or choosing a, a bank or taking out an IT system, that it's the right bank. They understand my needs, they understand my business. So brands use the, the, the platform to position themselves as thought leaders and as the brand of choice. Um, and they do that particularly well. The next thing is something called sales solutions. And that's really helping, um, helping sales teams connect to opportunity. So you can imagine if you're a sales team for a business, you've got 10 salespeople, each one of those salespeople on average have about 150 connections. Most salespeople have a whole lot more. Um, and they want to start tapping into that opportunity for each other. So I might not know, I might have not known you before this interview, but I knew, uh, you know, Tyron, somebody that we've, we've both worked with before. And I could ask Tyron if he's in my sales team to connect me with you as a warm opportunity and to use the network effect within my sales team to help me build up that pool of opportunity. And then last thing is, is LinkedIn learning. And that's probably one of the biggest and most important growth areas today. If you think about um, what learning looks like today, the information and knowledge that we use to fulfill our roles today is not going to be the same that we, that we have to use in four or five years time. The rate of change, especially in digital and technology, is moving so quickly we have to constantly be learning to keep up. 
So LinkedIn Learning is a is a platform. It's a tool. It, it was acquired and then developed off the back of a a, a brand called Lynda.com three four years ago, and it provides you with short snackable pieces of learning content on the go. So as I was driving in, um, I'd actually downloaded a, a LinkedIn learning course called how to build your professional brand on LinkedIn because I have to learn about the platform as well. And it's broken up into 25 minute, five minute segments of video. So I could play that video as I'm sitting in the reception room, as I'm driving in my car, I could continuously learn and upskill myself to position myself within the within the brand. So on LinkedIn learning, is this a free tool? Unfortunately not. There are some courses that are free um, and some that are made available to to people on a weekly basis, but it is a paid for paid for tool and um, what you could do is you can you can buy LinkedIn Learning as part of a premium subscription as well. So you've got two options. I can choose to buy it as an individual or you can actually speak to your business about buying um, a set of licenses for the organization as well. So it works really well if you need to to develop training paths for your uh, for your staff, then you can use this as an alternative. It's got an amazing range of content on everything, ironically enough, except languages. So if you need business skills, if you want to learn it. So I have done a LinkedIn learning course on how to draw figures to, uh, you know, how to do Excel macros and everything in between. Okay, sounds fantastic. Um, I just want to touch base on uh, the marketing solutions. And I think it's important for us to look at what value does LinkedIn drive for example, as a value exchange between uh, brand and LinkedIn in terms of driving conversions or revenue generation? Okay, so I think that the first thing that I always talk about is just separating LinkedIn out from the other social platforms because everybody's got this perception that just because it's a social channel, it's the same as, as some of the other ones. So there are three things, if we think about the value that we add to brands, the there are sort of three areas. The first one is around the mindset of the audience that we can provide to brands. So if you, if you think about the way that you behave on different social platforms, if we think about personal platforms, for example, we go on there because we want to be entertained. Um, I use Facebook because I can't remember anybody's birthday. So it's the best thing since sliced bread. And I love Instagram. But I use, and, and that's great because at, at certain points during my day, I want to be entertained. But I use LinkedIn um, and professional networks because I want to be educated. So if I go onto LinkedIn and I spend five minutes on the platform, I go on there because I want to connect to a colleague. I want to find out what's happening within my industry and within my peer set. I want to find out about my client. So if my client is in the automotive space, I want to go and see the content that the CEO and the CMO are sharing. What are the things they're talking about? What's happening with the brand? So I go look at their page. I go look at their competitors so that the next time I walk into their building and say, this is really fantastic. Have you seen what brand X, Y, and Z are talking about? So I can have an intelligent conversation about the things that matter to them. So I go on there with a business mindset and that mindset means that according to the research, people are generally more open to having business conversations. 
So people are there to have professional conversations. The second thing is it's, it's in a trusted environment. So we obviously know there's been lots of scandals about Cambridge Analytica and all sorts of things. LinkedIn, luckily, has, has remained clear of all of that controversy. So because I'm there in my professional capacity, because I'm there as Marius and not as user 21346, um, and I'm connected to the rest of my industry and my business, I think about the conversations that I have. So the way that I behave towards a brand is certainly more professional and the conversation I can have is, is of a higher quality. And then the last thing is, is this targeting. And that's really the thing that sets LinkedIn apart. So most, most other social platforms, most other businesses, you focuses primarily on intent-based data. So because you don't update your personal profile, you don't update your profile on these platforms a lot, um, they have to look at what your behavior is. What are the things that you click on? What's the content that you consume? What are the keywords in the, article that you, in the articles that you read in order to try and paint a picture of who you are as an individual? On LinkedIn, it works a little bit different. So I go on there and I create my professional identity. And then I populate it with things like my job title, where I'm located, the company that I work for, my education, my skills, my interests. So I go and I create all of that data. And then I continuously refresh it. So if I change roles, if I get promoted, if I learn new skills, if I get a degree, I want to go and actually update my profile because I want people to see that I'm successful. So it's great for a brand because you know that the information you're getting is, is of a high quality, updated you know, variety. And then we marry that with intent-based data. So you're getting the best of both worlds. If we think about it, you're able to say with confidence that I'm speaking to CEOs in the financial industry in Johannesburg who've got an interest in behavioral science or in artificial intelligence. And we know this because the people are telling us this and they're continuously updating it. So I guess I'm one of them. I also think that LinkedIn is an expensive platform from a media perspective. What's your view on that? Um, it is the, the most talked about thing that I, uh, that I get asked every single time. And uh, I actually want to, I want to write an article about this just so I could actually get it out of my system. But I think I've, I've probably spoken about this a thousand times in the last 10 years. And you're right. LinkedIn is, is not the cheapest platform by any stretch of the imagination. And there's a, again, there's a couple of reasons why. The first one is we assume that because LinkedIn is a social platform and we put it in the same basket as things like Facebook and Twitter, that it should be at the same price. And that's, that's just a fallacy, right? Just because a car has got four wheels and an engine doesn't mean that you need to pay the same for an Uno as you, does, as, as you do for a Ferrari, right? So why would you pay a couple of million rand for a Ferrari and almost nothing for an Uno? Like there's a very good reason for that because the Ferrari gives you certain benefits, it gives you a certain image and it helps you in whatever way you want. Right, so again, the, the three things I mentioned, the mindset, the behavior, and the actual targeting sets LinkedIn apart. So if I want to target, for example, small business owners, then 
the way that I speak to them on Facebook and the way that I actually know that I'm speaking to a small business owner is not as clear and not as defined as the, the, the way that you know you're speaking to a small business owner on LinkedIn. Um, the second thing for me as well is, you know, if you think about why do you pay to speak to people on business day when you can just speak to them on, on News24, again, speaks to that audience and speaks to the context. So we always talk about, um, you know, content versus context. And we use this example of a guy called Joshua Bell. Um, have you ever heard of Joshua Bell? No, I haven't. Okay, so Joshua Bell is is a world-famous violinist, absolute savant when it comes to the violin. He's worth a, a couple of million dollars. He plays this beautiful Stradivarius violin that's worth $4 million, and he sells out audiences wherever you go he's won multiple grammys so a couple of years ago he goes to to boston he plays um in the symphony hall he sells it out there's people who pay hundreds of dollars just to listen to this man play so he plays six songs for 45 minutes the next week he goes to washington and as past part of a social experiment he goes into the washington subway and there he puts on a, a scruffy little baseball cat he puts on an ugly little jacket and he plays the same six songs for the same 45 minutes on the same four million dollar violin so in that hour more than a thousand people walk past seven people stop one of which recognizes him from the previous week and can you guess how how much money he actually made in that hour i don't know guess none None, almost. He makes he makes $32, right? $20 of which comes from the man who saw him play the previous week, probably spent hundreds of dollars to listen to him. And now he's here and he's going, yeah, I wish I didn't pay that much money last week. I could have gotten it for free. And so the next week he goes and he plays again at a new venue. And there's literally, there's not enough room to stand the hall is so packed and people actually stifle their coughs so that they only cough in between each one of his one songs. So same six songs, 45 minutes on the same violin, but completely different results. So the content, the context of where you put your message is just as important as the content itself. So you're saying same message, different platforms or different message for context, different platforms. So I genuinely think that even if you put the same message on, on different platforms, especially if you put the same message on LinkedIn, you'll get a better result. Um, and the stats, the stats paint this out for us, right? So if you think about traditional digital metrics like click-through rates and, you know, CPCs, LinkedIn is, is expensive. But if you actually translate that into the quality of the lead that you get, the completion rates of those leads and what the lifetime value of those leads are, you'll generally find that LinkedIn is higher. Are you saying that there's a more attentive audience on LinkedIn? Because, I mean, I had a question to ask you, like, do we actually produce creative that's specifically uh, targeted towards 
LinkedIn or contextual to LinkedIn when you produce for social media platforms. But now you are saying I could use the same creative uh, that I've used on other social media platforms and use the same thing on LinkedIn and get different results. Well, so it's interesting. A lot of the times we actually get people who don't do anything on LinkedIn because they're too scared to even start. So for those people, I would I would say like, please just start. Like if you're producing content on other platforms, replicate that content on LinkedIn and see what the results are. The amazing thing is you can immediately start seeing based on the, the organic um, analytics, you can immediately start seeing whether the content is, is resonating with people. What are the comments? Who are the different businesses, the different demographics, locations that are engaging with your actual content? And so post the same content, use the data, and then start customizing it towards the same audience. But there's no reason why, if you've got the same message, you can't put that message in front of different people on different platforms. So a great example is a, um, a company in Holland. They focused on Wellness Week, for example, and driving people to come and do their, their tours. Um, so on Facebook, they would talk about the actual ex experience itself. So they would talk about, you know, come and smell the tulips um, and enjoy the day in the sun. And on LinkedIn, they would actually just reframe it to talk about the corporate experience. So take your team building. These are the, the lessons you can learn, you know, have your next board meeting inside this beautiful old windmill. So same message, same content, just speaking slightly differently to different audiences. Okay, so you do need contextual messaging on LinkedIn. Absolutely. First, first message, just start. Start, use the same content, take the learnings and see what works. And once you understand the way that the audiences behave differently on, on different platforms, then start tailoring your content. So you've recently launched a new ad format called Conversational Ads. Can you just take us through that an example of, I'm not sure, did you do a test? What was the result? So APSA, ironically enough, was the first brand on the continent to get access to the alpha test. So it was really an amazing experience. Normally, when we when we bring brands on board for, for alpha and beta tests, it's normally in the beta phase, just before it gets um, gets released to the general public. But so this, this was the first opportunity we actually had to go into an alpha test, really work closely with the brand and with the product team to share the learnings. And so far it's done, it's done really well. Just to put conversation ads in context. So there is this ability um, for, for brands to send direct one-to-one -one messages to people on the platform and it's called message ads. And message ads allows you to have custom conversations with people. Now, conversation ads take that a step further. Because LinkedIn has seen the proliferation and increased usage of messaging on the platform. So since they've launched messaging, they've seen, I think it's a 35% increase in usage year on year. So it really has allowed that professional conversation to happen. So conversation ads are... I would call them a dummy bot at the moment. They're basically um, a sequential messaging service. So Audrey could reach out to me and say, hey, Marius, we've got 
this amazing thought leadership breakfast happening in two weeks. Um, we'd really like you to attend because the conversation is going to be about digital and social media. And we know that you are a social media uh, person in Johannesburg because you've got all this first party data from LinkedIn. So you can really tailor make the conversation. And then you can go and you can create planned responses. So you can say, yes, I'm interested. And that will take you to the, the RSVP page or tell me more about the agenda or no, I'm not interested. And for each one of those decisions, you can then go and create a separate conversational tree that drives people through the behavior. So LinkedIn has seen that messaging is, is really a big trend and that they're trying to adapt the system um, to fit into that, that need. So have you done this with other brands? No, Apps has been, been the first on the continent. Um, as it now launches into other brands, we'll certainly start trying to take the learnings across multiple verticals. And Marius, just to kind of close up on the conversation, um, what should people consider, and I'm talking about brands, when playing on LinkedIn? What are some of the tips or suggestions you can recommend? So the, the first thing I, I want to recommend is think about what you can do organically before you even think about paid. Right. So make sure that you get the fundamentals right. Make sure that you've got a LinkedIn page, that that LinkedIn page is populated and up to date and that you share content to that page. Because once somebody follows you, they basically put up their hand and they say, please speak to me as often as you want to. And generally, that means speaking to people between three and four times a week. And not people don't use that as much as they should. You know, the likelihood of a person unfollowing a brand is very low. So once you've got somebody and they follow your brand organically, please speak to them. They're there to receive that content. Then think about the other brand assets that you have on the, the platform. And it sounds horrible, but think about your employees, right? People find businesses through people. So make sure that you empower and entice your employees to be the best representation of the business they can be help them set up their linkedin profiles give them background images give them linkedin training help them understand your business's social media policy because that is the biggest barrier that scares people off so really help them understand what they can and can't do and how that looks like and then amplify that through your executives so people are looking for thought leadership thought leadership is one of the things that establishes trust and credibility in your brand. So think about the professionals, think about the, the decision makers, the people that drive your business, and how can you externalize their voices? Because if you think about it, a bank is a bank is a bank, a car is a car is a car, they've got you know four wheels and an engine, what makes it different? It's the brand, it's the people. So make sure that you humanize the brand by sharing those people and sharing their stories. It's a benefit for the individual because their personality, their profile is getting the amplification that they might not have gotten if they'd done it on their own. And their brand is getting a valuable content and valuable insights. And once you've got that right, then think about how do you amplify that through paid. But make sure that you think about how do I use the platform for myself first? Then how do I use it for my brand organically? And then how do I amplify that through paid?
So, so I think what you're saying is just get started and then build on from there. Absolutely. I, I personally have this analogy that Facebook has always been a social platform that's learned how to become a business over time. And LinkedIn's always been a business that's had to learn how to become social. So it's constantly reinventing itself and improving on the user experience. So go out there and test it. See what the conversations are that are happening inside around your industry. Connect to your colleague that's sitting next to you. Follow your brand. Go follow your client. If I, everybody is in sales. Every single person in your organization, in your business is in sales. So make sure that you use all of those people and that they use themselves. So the reason why you have a website, why a business has a website is because you don't know when people are going to discover a need for your services. So you have the website and it's available 24 seven because somebody's going to lie in bed tonight and they're going to go, Oh my goodness, I need to do X, Y, and Z for my company. And then they're going to go and search for it in the same way. You don't know when people are going to be looking for your business or looking for your particular skills. So you want to make sure that you're there, that brand Audrey is available and it's the best representation of what that could look like. So just dive in, try, fail, see what works um, and see what it, what it looks like to actually function in a, in a platform that's built for professional conversations. Well, you know what I'm going to do today after we have this conversation, I'm going to go search for myself. And I'm going to see if I pop up on LinkedIn. There you go. Google Google yourself and see what is the first search result that appears. No, I'll definitely do that. Thank you, Marius, for your time. And I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for tuning in today. A massive shout out to all my remote listeners. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Don't forget to follow my Instagram handle, TalkDigitalZA. Send us your feedback. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.